Hello Storygoers, Eric here. I just want to do a little quick intro into our video right here, which is Baldur's Gate 2, part two. Um, if you haven't listened to part one yet, we recommend that you go back and listen to that first before you start this episode. Um, but without further ado, we hope that you're happy, healthy, and doing well, and we hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> Chapter 3. That night, I dreamt I was at Candlekeep, inside the main library. Shelves of ancient texts, scrolls, and tomes lined the walls of my childhood, but there was no bustle of old monks nor candlelight to study by. The halls were dark, and as my eyes adjusted to the dim interior, I saw figures, but they did not move. People stood about the hall, but their bodies were stone, each a statue in their own pose, standing, walking, dancing. None of them seemed familiar, only an assortment of, of various folk, commoners, farmers, nobility, bandits. The silence was only broken when a voice spoke from the lectern. Life is strength. I turned to see Arenicus, standing at the lectern, his eyes focused on whatever text lay there. This is not to be contested. It seems logical enough. You live, you affect your world. He closed whatever tome he was perusing and circled around the lectern, moving towards one of the statues. His eyes finally turned to me. But is it what you need? You are different inside. Irenicus turned back to the statue, one of a human woman, finely dressed. He gave a wave of his hand, and the stone turned back to clothing and flesh. The woman showed little shock or relief, and merely looked about her as if walking on a common sunny day. This woman lives and has strength of a sort. She lost her parents to plague, her husband to war, but she persevered. Her farm has prospered, her name is respected, and her children are fed and safe. She lived as though she should. Irenicus walked back to the lectern. And now, she is dead. His fingers snapped, and the woman burst into ash and flame. The light briefly illuminated the space before it settled back into shadow. Her land will be divided, her children will move on, and she'll be forgotten. She lived a good life, but she had no power. She was a slave to death. I wonder if you are destined to be forgotten. Will your life fade in the shadow of greater beings? You are born of murder, the very essence of that which takes life. You have power, if you wish it. I have no interest in these horrors you offer. None of your prattling is to be believed, Irenicus. Really? But the consequences are so very real. A circular motion of Arenicus's hand, and Imowen flashed into existence next to him. Another snap of his fingers, and flames raked her body, burning her as she screamed in pain. Your actions affect so many others than yourself. You will come to realize how little choice you have. You will do what you must, become what you must, or others will pay for your cowardice. You will accept the gifts offered to you. 
Irenicus lit Imowen aflame again and again. I ran, pushing through the petrified prisoners to rescue her. But my vision faded to black, leaving only the sounds of Imowen's screams. I awoke in a cold sweat at the inn we had purchased for the eve. I pushed the visions of the dream out of my mind. I wouldn't let Irenicus get to me. We would execute our plan and rescue Imowen, and he could continue prattling on about his power and death nonsense. That morning, we flung ourselves into the streets of Athcatla, asking around for any jobs that might be done. A noblewoman fled from her own castle after it was invaded by trolls. We can help you, I said. Consider those trolls vanquished and your castle reclaimed. A child ran all the way to the city to tell us of their village under siege by packs of feral wolves summoned by dark druids. Fear not, little one. No more shall your town be threatened by carnivorous canines. A lord named Fearcrack came to me begging to help slay some violent ogres terrorizing travelers on his roads. Those ogres will rue the day they faced Callius the Humble. Fear no more. We set out at dawn upon our quests. Herdelis, working towards the dramatization of my greatest achievements, wasted no time in asking questions of my past. He asked about my father, my mother, where I was born. No detail was left unquestioned. After a veritable interrogation, we arrived at the Castle d'Ernis where trolls had flooded inside and pushed out its rightful owners. We found a secret entrance leading underneath the castle and burst inside, slaying any trolls in our path. We fought with stealth and tenacity to overcome their greater numbers and pushed to the main keep, where the king of these trolls had made a throne for himself, using the skulls of his victims. A great battle ensued, with the steel of our blades clashing with the trolls' sharp, bony claws. While I tangled toe to toe with the troll king, Herdelise sidled up to me. Tell me, my raven, singing or dancing? Uh, what? Is that a quill in your hand? H- how? This sparrow learned long ago that a traveling writer must chronicle his thoughts as they come, lest they drift away and be lost forever. Tis not an easy task, what with monsters flying in our faces, smudging the ink and rumpling the parchment, but the effort must still be made. We both dodged underneath the swinging great club of the Troll King. Now, least I don't think this is the time? I will drink the marrow from your bones. I have but a few questions, then I shall leave you be. Choose honestly whatever first comes to your mind. Instinct, my raven, instinct. Again, singing or dancing. Um, I, I enjoy both well enough. Very good. I find myself much the same. Next. I will slather your blood like gravy onto my meats. Poetry or prose? Um, depends on my mood. War or peace? Peace? Would that I could obtain it. Your screams will be like music to me and my kin. The glass, half empty or half full? Uh, That depends on what we're talking about. Ah, yes. Sensible decision. Finally, truth or lie? Oh, God. Um, I suppose both have their uses. Yes, quite so. Much like my blade. I will drink from your skulls. The Troll King ran at us in a furious charge, lifting his thick club. Hedelis 
placed his hand on the hilt of his own rapier. This blade can both pair to protect. With a graceful flourish, Hedelise swung his blade to meet the troll's club and sent it crashing onto the floor. As well as slay a dangerous foe. And with another turn, Herdelis sent his blade deep into the monster's chest. The troll gave a shocked gurgle at the sword that pierced his heart, and then fell lifeless to the ground. The remaining trolls scattered and fled at the death of their king. With the trolls defeated and the castle liberated, we continued on to the small town of Trademeat, where rumors spoke of dark druids sending wild animals to attack from the surrounding forests. On the road... Herdelis continued with his endless questioning of my life. I must say, I almost got tired of talking about myself. Almost. When we arrived at Tradesmeet, there were already packs of slavering rabid wolves attacking the townsfolk. We cleared the animals out, and the town mayor told us about these attacks and how they had been getting worse. Our party trudged into the dense forests, fighting off angry bears and massive spiders until we came to a hideout of the dark druids at the base of a gargantuan tree. Their leader sat on a throne of massive curled tree roots. She spoke fiercely. I am Thaldorn, herald of the dreaded wolves and leader of the dark druids. Who dares approach the sanctum of our woods? Tis I, Callius the Humble, here to stop your vicious attacks on innocent townsfolk. Innocent? Their rotten civilization threatens our forest and its creatures, so they must be extinguished. My power here can only be challenged by another druid, not a foppish bard. Foppish? Well, listen here, you. Jahira placed a hand on my shoulder and stepped forward. Callius, I will handle this. I will restore the balance to this place. You there, Faldorn's name. I am Jahira, druid of the Harpers. And I challenge you to a ritual battle for stewardship of this forest. Very well. We shall battle in the old ways. Just you and me and what power nature grants to us. Prepare. Psst, Jahira. Mention that you will be fighting with your animal companions. What do you mean? I I have no animal companions. Jahira, have you forgotten, boo? We are not speaking of your rodent, Minsk. Just trust me, Jahira. Very well. Faldorn, I shall be challenging you alongside my animal companions. Of course. And I shall have mine as well. The dark druid lifted her arms and wolves of pure shadow materialized in a pack around her. Yes, of course. And here are mine as well. Oh, you have to be kidding me. Five wolves trotted up behind Jahira. One was impeccably handsome and unexplainably charismatic, and another one had a hamster on his back. But it was totally normal, completely normal wolves from the forest. Thaldorn of the Dark Druids, however, quickly found herself defeated by Jahira and her wolves, who also knew how to use crossbows and magic. You know, there is little honor in your silly illusions, Callius. But... There are results. And now you're the head druid of this little forest, Jahira. Isn't that fun? Uh, let's just go. We headed off from the thankful town of Tradesmeet to the hold of Lord Fearcrag, apparently beset by rampaging ogres. At camp one night on the way, Hedelis came to me again, quill and parchment in hand. 
Forgive the sparrow stares, my raven, but there is something about you, something I cannot place. Well, you have a great many reasons to stare, I dare say. I'm charming, beautiful, powerful. And humble and demure as well. But there is also an aura of sorts that hangs over you. It swirls about you in wisps and shadow. A mortal half-elf, you may appear on the surface, but you are also something else, are you not? My words caught in my throat. Had Herdalise heard of my dark heritage? That I was, in fact, a child of Baal, god of murder? I was not sure if he would think less of me, but I had found the thought troubling. I suppose you could say that. Come, share with me your dark secret. Or do you intend to keep this poor bard suffering in suspense for all time? I am Callius the Humble, and that is all that matters. Very well. To suffering it is. Herdalise left well enough alone for the remainder of our travels, editing and revising his works in private. The next day, we came to the Windspar Hills. Traveling along the height of a ravine, we spotted a camp filled with the nasty, bulbous ogres we were looking for. They were picking apart the last scraps of meat from their latest meal. With the element of surprise on our side, we ambushed them, easily dispatching the monstrous foes. Good work, team! That was our easiest victory yet. Oh, we're getting better at this, I must say. Yoshimo turned to me with a concerned expression. My friend, it appears all may not be as it seemed. Uh, what do you mean? Bahamut's holy light! What happened? I looked down to find where the slain ogres had been moments before to instead find armored knights in their place. Not vicious monsters at all, but noble warriors whom we had now slain! Oh, what had we done? It appears some kind of illusion magic may have been used against us. What? I'm the illusion person! I don't get fooled by illusions! Someone else is behind this! I'm afraid I know who. I spun around to see an older man approaching the camp. An all-too-tired look came upon his face at the sight of the slain knights before him. This is the doing of Lord Fearcrack, I'm afraid. And this is not the first time this has happened. He uses such tricks to destroy the reputation of his foes. He used his plots and schemes to take my land from me. I hoped this wouldn't happen again, but I am sorry the same fate has befallen you. Uh, what am I going to do? I can't perform a play about all my heroic exploits if I have murdered an innocent group of noble knights. I haven't even done anything to this Fearcrag fellow. I don't even know him. His bastion lies in the mountains northeast of here. Perhaps you can speak to him there. I'm sorry. I can't help more. Our party marched to the mountain in question and found a sprawling carved entrance into a deeper dwelling. Oh, I was going to have words with this Lord Fearcrag. As we trudged deeper, we found a sprawling dungeon. We were ambushed by battle-hungry orcs, devious goblins, and ruthless mechanical golems. Using all of our combined strength, we narrowly managed to counter each offensive. Battered and bloodied, we found the final chamber, a large open hall, glittering with a massive pile of treasure and coin. Fearcrag's vault, most likely. I saw the man himself standing there, admiring his vast amount of wealth, the bastard. He turned, seemingly unperturbed by the adventurers who had defeated his minions and confronted him alone in his abode. 
Welcome. You have come as I wanted. This has been an interesting game, but to tell the truth, I tire of it. So here I am. Why have you done this, Fearcrag? Why have you sullied my reputation and forced this meaningless confrontation? For my amusement, for my curiosity, and for my memory of transgressions long since past, all of these spurred me on. But now I grow bored of you. What? Transgressions do you speak of? I've never met you before. Your father, Gorion, was an adventurer in his day and crossed my path long ago. I still bear the scars of meeting him and his harper friends. Being beyond my revenge, dead as he is, I'm afraid I must settle for tormenting his spirit by destroying you. So I'm afraid that this is where this little trifle ends. You're just one man. You think you can take on all of us? Oh, I think I'll handle myself just fine. Fearcrag bent forward, and great leathery wings sprouted from his back. His skin hardened to gleaming red scales, and his hands and feet grew sharp talons. His body grew twice, three times, four times his size towering above us now stood the form of a great red dragon. Well, that was certainly unexpected. Fearcrag reared back his mighty head, flames beginning to churn inside his great maw. In utter terror, our party screamed and pleaded for our lives, hoping for any sense of pity or mercy or bargaining this fearsome dragon might possess. But it was all for naught, exhaling with primal fury. He blasted our party with a blazing inferno, engulfing us all in flames. My companions and I screamed in agony, thrashing as our flesh burned away, only seconds passing before we all fell silent. Smoking piles of bones were all that remained. Fearcrag chuckled to himself. Another band of dead adventurers his servants would have to scrape from the floor of his lair. A pity they didn't put up more of a fight. He was hoping for more excitement before this was over. He pondered taking a leisurely nap after such an exertion, but heard a noise behind him. The sound of shifting coins. Some rodent was scurrying across his magnificent hoard. Fearcrag turned to see as his treasure was disappearing piece by piece. Coins and gems and baubles vanished into thin air. Hurry, everyone! I can only hold the invisibility for so long on this many people! Oh, straining with the use of my magic, my invisibility spell faded, revealing my party and I shoveling as much of Fearcrag's hoard into our packs as we could carry. Seeing our very much unscorched selves, Fearcrag spun his head to see where he had immolated us only moments prior. The charred remains of our corpses then vanished into a glittery dust of magic. An illusion! Fearcrag roared, spraying fire across the roof of his treasure cave. All right, everyone, it's time to go. You're the most foolish bard I have met if you think we can outrun that dragon. Fear not, sweet Viconia, for I have just what we need. Herdelis conjured magics of his own, and a spell came over our party. The world around us slowed to a sluggish pace. A haste spell. Wasting no time, we rushed past Fearcrag with lightning speed towards the exit. The dragon's reflexes, however, were still sharp, and his speed quick as well. 
He lifted himself again to unleash another breath attack. We would be lucky to outrun the fire even with a haste spell guiding our feet. Shahira turned, seeing the dragon's flaming maw, and conjured a blizzard of ice to meet Fearcrag's blaze. The blast of winter wind halted the dragon's inferno, saving us from a truly fiery fate. We rushed out of Fearcrag's lair and up through the dungeons, escaping with our lives and all the treasure we could carry. We laughed together as we traveled back to Athkatla with more than enough gold now to pay for what Galen Bale had requested for his mysterious group's assistance. And more. My raven, if I may, we have secured the funds you have sought to rescue your imperiled friend with, leaving our theatrical ambitions to embody your life story irrelevant. However, I must admit that the creative task of telling your life story still leaves me beyond inspired. With your permission, the sparrow would like to continue writing your vaunted tale in the remains of it. It would be most unfair to keep the priceless jewel that is your life hidden from the world, even though it is not, strictly speaking, required at this point. Oh, so you're saying you'd like to keep writing about me here, Delise? Well, as an artist and entertainer myself, how could I object to your creative aspirations? Besides, we couldn't have done this without you. That was quite quick thinking with your haste spell there. Herdelise laughed and stepped closer, cupping a hand to my face. Well, it would not do well for such a handsome face to be singed away by dragon's fire, if you don't mind me saying so. Um, well, uh, yes, of, of course, not at all. Um, you're certainly welcome to say more in the future if you like. Is that so? Well, then I'll keep that in mind, my raven. After a night's celebration at camp, we returned back to the city of Athkatla. Finding Galen Bale, our original contact, and showing him our newfound riches, he escorted us to a large warehouse in the dark district of the city to meet these mysterious benefactors. Taking our hard-earned coin from us, he gave directions to a large warehouse. Locating a nondescript side entrance, we went inside, following dim tunnels, until we came to a stately-looking office chamber. A man donned in the black leather of those who attacked Arenicus during our escape sat at a fine wooden desk, fingers steepled in contemplation. Welcome to this place. I've looked forward to seeing you. I am Aaron Linvale, and, as you know, leader of the Shadow Thieves here in Athkatla. And I am Callius the Humble, as you surely know. Now, could we please do what we must here? Right to the point, eh? That's fine with me. You are a very capable person, and I wish to propose a trade of services. Excuse me, a trade of services? I propose, Mr. Linvale, that you give me what I have coming already. I have paid you and your group 20,000 gold pieces. I apologize if you feel like you've been done wrong. I assure you, all that you have paid is being put to good use. But these things take time. In truth, we have been working long before you gave us the gold. There is merely some added difficulties that we have encountered. Viconia threw up her hands in frustration. This is a waste of our time. This fool only wished to rob us of our time as well as our already given gold. I know, I know. You all have worked hard to secure a sizable payment to our guild already. I apologize. But this guild war, it prevented us going further. There's a war, you say? And who exactly is this... Rival guild that taxes you so. The guild that we are warring with are not like we. We know our actions well and 
Many of our number have turned traitor to join them. The leader of this guild, Bodhi by name, has made a daring number of attacks on our guild. She is the most intelligent and brutal foe I've ever had. Our spies tracked one of Bodhi's servants to the graveyard district, where her guild is nestled within the network of tombs beneath the graves. And this rival of yours is worse than a group of collected thieves and criminals? If you seek the moral high ground, it is indeed with the Shadow Thieves. A surprising thing, but I assure you that I am true to my word. When you have destroyed this evil, return to me, and I will fulfill our bargain. Do this job, and you may see Emowyn by morning. What do you say? With no alternatives in sight, we agreed to dispose of this Bodhi and her guild plaguing the Shadow Thieves of Athkatla. My party and I waited until the dead of night to sneak into the city's graveyard district. We tiptoed through graves, scuttled past tombstones, crawled over crypts, until we found the tomb the Shadow Thieves told us would conceal the hideout of Bodhi's guild. We descended deeper into the ancient crypts of the city. Near pitch darkness greeted us accompanied by a screeching silence. The smell of rot and mildew filled the air along the crumbling stone walls. We found what was clearly a guild headquarters, but we found inside it was remarkably empty. Kicking down the door to the back chamber, we found a single woman sitting inside. She seemed undisturbed by our entrance. She had long, black hair and a pale face. Ah, it's you. I had hoped it would not come to this, but it would seem you are set on your path, aren't you? I know what you are, child of Baal. Irenicus told me. He sought to learn more about you, awaken your power. But the Shadow Thieves interrupted him. What do you know of Irenicus? I owe him a debt for what he has done. I know more than your brain could hold in a lifetime. There is much you do not see why even Imuin escaped your notice. No offense. But this Arenicus did not seem the type to have anyone close to him. Why would he let you with him? I am with him because I choose to be the duty of a good sister. But I tire of this conversation. Now this will end. So you'll destroy me then? Has Arenicus already lost interest in me? Oh, my brother is not the only one interested in your blood, god-child. Bodhi rose up, her arms wide, displaying sharp claws extending from her fingers. She gave a hungry smile, revealing a set of inhuman fangs. A vampire. In a flash, she rushed through the space between us and returned to where she sat. She smiled, displaying the fresh blood on her clawed fingers. I reached up and felt a cut on my cheek. Bodhi laughed as she ran her finger across her tongue, savoring the blood. Mmm, delicious. Come out, everyone. Our meal has arrived. I spotted movement around us. Figures crawled out from the alcoves and shadowed corners of the tomb, fangs bared. This was a whole nest of vampires. Bodhi chuckled with sadistic glee. There is much to learn through duress. Such a curiosity you are. Come, let us both learn a thing or two. With inhuman speed, Bodhi rushed at me, slashing with her claws like an animal. I parried with my blade, but was quickly pushed back by her speed and ferocity. Herdelis flung himself at Bodhi with a deadly twirl of his blades, forcing her to back off of me. 
My fellow bard used his magic to blur his form, making his movements hard to track. The two became a dance of cuts, the speed of their attacks accelerating rapidly. Yoshimo and Viconia behind me had both been pinned down by vampires, and Minsk was flanked by two others. They each took turns slicing at Minsk, bleeding him cut by cut. Ah! Your tiny cuts send Minsk into his berserker rage! Minsk threw down his greatsword and grabbed onto one of the vampire's feet with both hands. I trust vampires no farther than they can be thrown, even if I manage to throw them pretty far. And throw them I shall! Minsk spun, lifting the vampire off the ground and launching them into the other with brutal force. The two slammed back into the stone wall with a loud crunch. Their limbs were bent at odd angles, and one had their head turned completely the wrong way. Minsk brushed his hands in victory, but the vampires kept moving. Their limbs snapped back into place, and the one stood and pulled his head back around with his hands. Their eyes glowed red with a bloody frenzy, and they leapt back at Minsk. Jahira, we need wood. Can you grow something in here? I will do my best, but I will need time. Protect me. Jahira kneeled and focused her magical powers over nature. A small sapling began growing out of a crack in the floor, budding to life. We each grappled with one of the undead whores while Jahira's tree grew. The vampires jumped across the walls and crawled along the ceiling, pouncing and leaping at us from every direction. We formed a tight circle to protect Jahira and the tree, fighting to keep the vampires out. Jahira summoned a small rain cloud to water the tree as it slowly grew branches and tiny buds. They're trying to make stakes. Get them. The vampires broke through our line, snaking past us, their claws ready to slice through Jahira to stop her. Just before they flayed her alive, Jahira sparked a ball of sunlight, and the vampires were blinded. They shrieked and hissed, moving away from the dreaded light. The tree grew, its branches thickening enough to grab onto. Wow, they're stunned! Now! Each of our party jumped for the tree, breaking off one of its branches. While the sunlight blinded the vampires, we jabbed a wooden stake into each of their hearts. They writhed and screamed as they disintegrated into nothing. Jahira's sunlight subsided, leaving only Bodhi left. We closed around her, stakes in hand. Her eyes darted between us like a cornered animal, until she spotted Jahira, who had taken no branch from the tree. Bodhi leapt for her, and I jumped in between, taking her claw to my chest, but not before sinking my stake into hers as well. I landed hard on the ground, chest bleeding. Bodhi reeled back and ripped the stake from her chest. It was a near miss from her heart. Well, that was certainly educational. I have seen enough, and I am now done with you. For now. Bodhi let out a shrieking laugh and evaporated into a cloud of grey mist. She flew away, the echoes of her cackling still reverberating off the walls. Jahira pulled me into her lap, pouring healing magics into my wound. Are, are you alright? Uh, yes, I'm alright, Jahira. Just a scratch or two. Uh, nothing a day of rest won't cure. I am so glad. You idiot! What were you thinking? You could have been killed! Her claws could pierce the eyes or heart while you stand in front of me like a pincushion. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't think about that. I, I just wanted to keep you safe. Don't you ever do something that stupid again, you hear me? Not in a thousand seasons. I lost... I lost... I lost Khalid to a pointless death. I'm not going... 
to lose you too. Chihira, I... Oh, shut up. And let's get out of here. We'll... We'll talk later. While Bori herself managed to escape, we left the remains of her vampiric kin behind in their lair. We limped back to the Shadow Thieves to report what we found. Aaron Linvale was waiting for us there. Now that we had dealt with his competition, he laid out our plans to go get Imowen. So you returned. My spy said that you confronted Bodhi in her lair. It must have been a bloody affair. <sighs> that it was. Now, I hope we can proceed with our original business of finding Imowen. You still haven't told us where she's being held. The Cald wizards have taken Imowen and Aranicus to the one place in Athkatla that mages truly fear, a place where their powers are stripped away. It is called Spellhold, an asylum where people are sent to disappear. It is built on an island governed by pirates, and you will be on your own to contend with them and the cowled wizards. We finally learned where Imowen was, and now we had a way to reach her. What tribulations Imowen had experienced thus far in this Spellhold, I could not say. I only hoped we could reach her soon. Very well, Mr. Linvale. We are ready to go, then. We can waste no more time. Let us set sail. So we're, so we're getting close, it sounds getting like. Getting Callius is getting close. Yeah. It's awesome. So I, I love just how, like, just, like, they have to do so much. <laughs> Which, like, says a lot about how much Callius really cares about Imowen. So I don't know. It's it's really cool. I like I like seeing this so far, and I and all the all the the very uh, I, I like how everyone is kind of just like, no one's good or bad per se. Everyone's just kind of a person in a sense, just trying to get what their needs are in a way, whether it's good or through good means or bad means. I guess. Yeah, they really put that. Um, the game puts that little. They have um. <laughs> there's not like too much branching choice. Uh, in in like a larger sense in Baldur's Gate 2, but one of the things they do attempt to do is they kind of cast this um this choice between um in the game a representative of Bodhi actually comes and offers you to work for her to get the money instead of uh, the shadow thieves. So there's kind of a decision between oh, do I work for these people, especially when they they feel like they're kind of tugging you around and they're like we have just a few more quests for you to do. Um, or it's like, oh, do you go work for this person who's offering, like, you know, a quicker path and is placing more doubt on these, these, you know, these, uh, these criminals you're working with? What would happen then if if the group chose to work with the vampire? I haven't played through a sort of um, that that kind of a playthrough yet because I think I think a, an evil character would be a little more inclined to lean in towards Bodhi because um, it, it still ultimately comes around to kind of the same thing but I, I believe you come and fight against the shadow thieves and get rid of them for Bodhi and then either I think maybe she betrays you in some way she's like oh that was fun thank you for getting rid of the shadow thieves now I have to kill you so at the end of the day she's still John Arenicus's vampiric sister and <laughs> you still have to stop her at the end of the day such a weird family they, yeah, they're an interesting bunch <laughs> do you think Bodhi actually intended to kill Callius? Wouldn't that have ruined Renekis' plans? Or is that she's saying, like, it doesn't matter, there's other things? Oh, I think I think she's just kind of there to toy. Um, and, you know, when it finally turns around her, she's like, oh, this was fun, but I'm going to go now because I choose, not because I'm dying or anything. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> um, but, yeah, she definitely, she definitely, you know, is, is a predator. 
and and loves playing with her food beforehand. Um, so if she's if she's willing to get some fun in while Arenicus completes his plan, she's happy to do so. I know. I, I love it. I love seeing uh, Jahira's emotional connection with Callius and how she deeply does not want him to get hurt in any way, shape, or form, having lost Khalid already. Yeah, it was. Um, Jahira is. Um, she 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 gets a lot more fleshing out in this one. Um, she's got a good kind of like uh, like her own loyalty quest, I guess you'd call it, in sort of like a, a, a Mass Effect 2 sort of vein. Um, but um, in this one, it's also interesting. I wanted to shove it in somewhere, but I, I don't know if it would have fit. Um, I just had the experience playing through with Jahira and Viconia, who um, are kind of two of the romantic options for male players in the standard game, even though I had the hair delice mod set up, I still had Jahira and Viconia coming up to me. You know, Viconia is very, she's much more like, um, uh, uh, kind of, what's the word? Um, she's more like upfront about her sexuality. Um, she's like, mm, you're a very pleasing male. Perhaps we could, uh, get together sometime and uh, exchange carnal pleasures. And it's like, oh, I'm fine, Viconia, thanks. And then she's like, you fool. <laughs> You dare turn down my erotic pleasures? It's like, oh, well, I, it's not what I'm interested in, sorry. <laughs> um, but then, and you can tell, because like, there, there's like the little romance music that comes up anytime they talk to you. Jahira always comes up, and I, I wanted to put a joke in about it somewhere, but I just don't think it fit in the script for time, where she, it's all these scenes, it's very funny with Callius, where she's like, I've just been feeling so alone without uh, Khalid anymore. I just... I wish I had like a big, strong male figure in my life to help and lead me. And oh, Callius, you've been such a good friend to me, and I just I feel so safe and 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 trusting with you after everything we've been you. And it's like I consider you a, a great friend as well, Jahira. <laughs> I love our very professional relationship together. You're very dear to me. <laughs> so it, it's just funny every time Jahira comes up it just it, it feels like she's like suggesting that way but just very oblivious um so funny it's like a, the subtle put down <laughs> that's nice thanks. yeah um oh hey there's some dragons over there let's go fight those <laughs> no I think it's I still think it's cool I, I still I, I and how cool too that that um Herdalis. 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 Yeah, I, I see, know oh, everyone man. has like the Things worst names in this games. Yeah, Herdalis like was kind of going like toe to toe with with Bodhi for a little bit there, which is like really cool. Like it shows a lot about his his skill set. Yeah, you get some you get some strong people with you. They're they're a fun time. I think because I think Herdalis, I think I mostly cast haste on him for most of the game because he could do that. Or maybe I think I gave him some boots that gave him like double haste. And then, so, he's just like, sword, 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 sword. And it's like, everybody's dead. <laughs> like, nice job. He's like, stop stabbing me so much, please. <laughs> but no, that's cool. Yeah. So, it looks like we're on to the fourth chapter, which is... The final chapter of this part. After, yeah, of our... Yeah, final chapter of part mm-hmm. one. All right. All right. Let's go save Imwin. It'll go great, <laughs> I'm sure. Nothing going... Yeah, Absolutely. I'm nervous. Part two is really just more of like an epilogue, really. Yeah, it's nothing, yeah. nothing else happy. bigger dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> we sailed from Athkatla on the ship the Shadow Thieves provided us. I watched the waves in tense anticipation of what awaited us there. What horrible torture was Imowen enduring at Arenicus's hands? 
My dark train of thought was interrupted by Yoshimo, bringing out a fine vegetable stew from the galley. Oh, it smelled of fine seasonings, and the warm food was a much-needed reprieve from the cold sea winds. Oh, now, Yoshimo, I had no idea you knew how to cook. Well, when you're in my line of work, you learn how to make do for yourself. We are certainly likely to meet some tribulations once on the island, so I figured a nice meal would help bolster our spirits for what's to come. I'm glad we could both escape Arenicus's clutches together. You've been an invaluable member of this party, and I'm happy to call you my friend. Likewise, my friend. I'll see you in the morning. After Yoshimo left, Viconia entered my chambers to speak with me. I do not like the look of that Yoshimo. I do not think you should trust him. Hmm. Well, Viconia, Yoshimo has proved to be a capable fighter and a good friend, just as you have. What makes you feel him worthy of such distrust? Hmm. He reminds me of my old neighbor, back when I had attempted to be a farmer with a place of my own. <laughs> Wait a minute, you were a farmer? Is that so hard to believe? As a drow on the surface, I have been a lost soul. When your race is used as a boogeyman, it's an uphill battle to even find a bag of dirt on a stable floor for the night. But more likely is to find children throwing apples, merchants loosing the hounds, or hunters with their arrows. My own homestead gave me shelter away from prying eyes. But there was another farmer with whom I spoke often. They brought me supplies from nearby towns that I could not get to myself for fear of revealing myself. I wore a hood to conceal myself around him, and he did not ask why. Seems like a kind enough fellow. What was so bad about him? Well, we formed an awkward friendship of sorts, and I began to trust him. One day, I pulled down my hood to reveal myself as a dark elf. Expecting fear or derision, I was surprised when he invited me to his home for dinner with his sons. We arrived at his homestead when something struck me in the back of the head. I woke up to searing pain, seeing only the lid of a coffin over me. They had tortured me and buried me alive. My gods, what happened next? I split the coffin open and clawed my way to the surface. I saw the farmer and his sons inside their home, with their warm hearth and feast, celebrating with drink for their fine catch they had made that day. I had waited until the youngest son left to use the outhouse. I jammed a stake in the door and set it aflame. The farmer came, shouting for the eldest son to fetch water, and I took the opportunity to wrap a garret around his neck tightening until he breathed no more. I whispered to him that he had made a mistake in not killing me when he had the chance. When the eldest son returned, he fell to his knees in shock, and I caved in his skull with a miner's mallet left in their home. All in all, it was a bitter vengeance, Callius the Humble, because my own stupidity had made it necessary. Viconia, I, I am truly appalled to hear what has been done to you, and I cannot fault you for your revenge against such despicable actions. But Yoshimo has proven himself to our party, and was a captive of the Renicus, just as my friends and I were. I shan't cast suspicion on him without good reason. Hmm. Very well. But do not say I did not offer the advice when you left it unheeded. Viconia left, and was quickly replaced by the wide-eyed visage of Herr Delis. He practically danced with impatience in front of me. My raven, I know you settled this line of questioning before, but the knowledge of some 
great secret within has seen to it that I shall find no rest. Do you not trust this humble sparrow with the truth? I know that we have not known each other long, but surely you do not believe I mean you harm. I owe you my freedom, after all. You truly wish to know. Anything to know more of you would be considered a precious treasure, one I would be most humbled to receive. Well, if it will truly satisfy you so, it's as Bodhi said. The blood of an evil god flows in my veins. It is the very reason the quarry we now hunt had captured me in the first place. I am a ball spawn. Ah, so the rumors are true then. I must say, you are nearly as tall, terrifying, and fiery-eyed as the stories claim, but I still find it delightfully fascinating to find myself in your company. Well, but surely Bodhi had already mentioned this during our fight. Why did you need to come ask me? Tis always best to seek a source for knowledge. Relying on rumor and speculation is all well and good, but I am fortunate enough to have the truth right in front of my eyes. But I have pestered you with my questioning, and I shall bid you farewell for the eve. Oh, it is no issue here, Elise. It is a pleasure to be appreciated by one who knows our craft as well as you do. But how could I not appreciate your talents? Your skills are a marvel to behold, both on the battlefield and off. <laughs> well... The flattery will get you everywhere, you know. Aye, I know this, my dear one. I have watched you and fought by your side, observing every facet and detail. Do not say this as idle flattery. And casting all just aside, I am awed by you, Callius the Humble. Oh, that's quite possibly the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Quite a while, at least. And that is a pity and a shame. I shall have to slather you with praise as often as I am able to make up for all the compliments you should have gotten. He leaned down and placed a gentle kiss upon my cheek. You are stunning, my radiant And he left. Leaving to get some fresh air on the deck, uh, I heard the sounds of muffled sawbang. I found Minsk, stifling cries, holding Boo close. Oh, Callius the humble, do not mind me. I was just thinking about Dinah here, and how her magics would have aided us on our travels. And then suddenly these tears began to flow. But don't worry, they shall not drown out my furious battle rage. Boo nuzzled up against Minsk's neck while he sobbed. Oh, I remember I was on my Dajemma, a journey to prove my manhood. Oh, we were a pair, me and my witch. How oh, I was to watch over Dinah here and bring her home in... in safety. Oh, boo! I can never return to Rashomon, our home! I am proven unworthy! I am no man, and you are no hamster! We are lost! Oh, this sorrow! Oh, don't beat yourself up, Minsk. You and Boo have fought bravely. Who could count the foes you vanquished? Dinah here would be very proud of you. <laughs> you you have been a good friend, Callius the Humble. Minsk would ask something. Will you be my witch? Boo and I are nothing without a witch. Your witch? Oh, my. <laughs> um, that's quite a commitment indeed. But... I suppose Dinah here was once your witch, and you were sworn to protect her on her journeys, and now you sort of do the same for me, I suppose. But 
I don't know. Minsk looked at me with his watering eyes. Boo sat on his shoulder, little hamster eyes pleading. You know what? I would be most honoured to be your witch, Minsk. My sword, my soul, my hamster, all of these I pledge to Callius the Humble, my witch. Hear that evil? Minsk has a new witch. Woe is you! Minsk ran off, joyfully telling any of the ship's crew who crossed his path about the news. Boo chirped cheerfully along with him. I spotted Jahira on the back of the deck, watching the moonlight dance off the waves. I came over to be with her in her thoughts. Her expression was likewise solemn. Callius, do you worry about missing friends? About those missing or lost? <laughs> of course you do. I, I don't know what prompted me to ask. I do not mind. Yes, I, I hope to spare others the pain of loss that I have felt. I'm... I'm sorry, I'm not sure why I brought it up. I just needed to know that the living and the dead are still in mind. They grow distant, but vengeance must still come. I am becoming used to the aftermath of death, but I will not forget what must be avenged. There must be closure. I must do this even as I... as we move on. I... I know this better than anyone. Old wrongs will not be forgotten. That is good to know. Those past beyond will be glad that we do not carry them as a burden, but that we do seek justice in their names. I... I don't brood all the time. I was just thinking of the past and what is to come. I'm trying to balance. Well, enough whining for today. I will go to bed, so I am ready for tomorrow. I left and settled down for bed, rocking on the ocean waves, glad for the absence of any more haunting dreams. In the morning we arrived at the island which held the cowled wizard's asylum fortress, Spellhold. We needed a means to get inside Spellhold to rescue Imowen still. Linvale had little advice on how to get inside, only that the people he'd heard of getting inside are either the cowled wizards themselves, or the deviants that they kept there. We also learned that a ruthless pirate lord ruled over the other settlements of the island. It would be risky, but I had an idea. Please, Mr. Pirate Lord! My companions and I have been stricken by a terrible affliction of the mind. Only the cowled wizards in Spellhold could possibly come to our aid. No, please, don't come too close. I'm afraid our condition may be contagious. The pirate lord narrowed his eyes and gave us a stern look. We had found his abode soon after landing on the island, and he did not seem terribly pleased with the knocking of strangers on his door at such a late hour. What are you trying to accomplish? I can indeed have people committed to spell hold, but why would you request it? Please, sir, I am clearly deranged and not of sound mind. I mean, just look who I traveled with. Minsk, come meet the Pirate Lord. Pirate Lord? Such a name does not conjure images of righteous behavior. Uh, stand still a moment. Let Boo have a look at you. Oh, why is that man pointing a hamster at me? 
Boo will soon have you figured out. You certainly seem friendlier than I think a pirate lord would be. And where is your peg? My... what? Your peg! A proper pirate has a peg, whether a leg, arm, or uh, some other expendable extremity. And a parrot. A parrot? Certainly. As I have my boo, so too must you have your parrot. Boo likes parrots. They could wrestle. I've seen enough. Congratulations, you're all on your way to Spellhold. You are clearly a danger to the general community. By the gods, I think I'm stupider for talking to you. Stupider. More stupid. Get them out of my sight, all of them. They may all have this disease of the mind. Rough henchmen of the pirate lord grabbed our party and took us away. We were blindfolded and sedated, and could only await what terrors we might find upon awakening within the halls of Spellhold. My eyes opened to a hard stone cell. I snapped my fingers to conjure a magical light, but none came. Obviously, as an asylum to hold spellcasters and mages, this place had enchantments that restricted the use of magic. I found my companions in various states of waking around me. Moments later, the ringing of steel doors opening rung outside our cell. A dwarven orderly came and unlocked our cell, announcing it was leisure time. I moved out into the halls to search for Imowen. The corridors were filled with others shambling about, some curled up rocking in corners, others mumbling to themselves or talking to beings no one else could see. In the last cell of the hall, sitting in the back corner, Niels huddled up to her chest, was Imowen. The cell was open, and I moved inside carefully. Oh, I can only imagine what terror she had witnessed here already. Imowen noticed my approach, and a twisted look came over her face. Who? Who? Who is that? Get back! Get back! Imowen, it's me, Callius. You don't remember? What about Minsk? Remember Minsk and Boo? Little Imowen, it is Minsk, see? Here's Boo. Boo, stop that. It's Imowen. Sure, she looks a bit stressed, but it's still her. Callis the humble. I do not know what is wrong. Boo is all jittery. Something is different about Imowen. Who? Who is Imowen? I don't know that name. I don't know that name. She's not here. I tried to move closer to comfort her, but her eyes went wide like a cornered animal. Get away from me. I'll kill you. I'll rip your eyes from your filthy face. Do not tempt my wrath. Do not. I... She's not here. I do not know that name. I backed away from Imowen and out of her cell. Oh. Well, that was concerning. Somehow I envisioned our reunion as more heroic. I will see death come. Oh, so empty inside. I feel... I feel weak. Back in the hall, the familiar crackling of teleportation magic ignited in the air. John Orenicus stepped out from his portal, eyeing Imowen and myself. I see you've made yourself at home. I didn't think you would feel out of place here. Do not look so surprised. You must have expected to find me near your Imowen. I am surprised that you are allowed to walk these halls freely. I would have killed you. 
Oh, but I am not incarcerated here, no. I am the new coordinator, and you are in my care once again. It is fortunate that you arrived here when you did. I am eager to resume my experiments, and I was growing tired of waiting. You're running the place? What are you talking about? Is this some cowled wizard trick? The cowled wizards no longer run the asylum. With Bodhi's aid, I was able to take control quite quickly. She was a fine sibling, if a touch predatory. I have come for Imoen Arenicus, and nothing you can do will prevent me from saving her. You are intent on revenge or justice or whatever, but I don't really care. You can't do anything I don't wish you to do. Yoshimo, I trust everything is as I instructed. What? Lies! You're not going to turn us against each other with your little mind games. I have no need to turn you. Your group is fractured as it is. I have had my interest represented well from the beginning. I fear he is correct in this, Callius the Humble, and I have no excuse that you would find satisfactory. You have done as you must, Yoshimo. I have seen to it. Now is everything as I asked. Yes, Master Ranicus. Just as you wanted it. Yoshimo, what are you talking about? Yoshimo stepped behind Arenicus with a dour expression. I apologize, Callius the Humble. There are circumstances that you are not aware of. Jahira shouted back at him. You will hear the name Traitor many more times today, Yoshimo. But let me be the first to spit it at you. I know well the proper punishment for traitors. You will have as much mercy as we have been shown, Yoshimo. Interesting. A uncertain path opens as the party fractures beneath us. An inevitable destruction, although the source is most surprising. Oh, a slap in the face of our trust! A sword to the heart of our confidence! A boot to the prunes of our friendship! Perhaps I go too far, but Boo is absolutely incensed! We... We'll discuss this later, Yoshimo. You can be assured of that. You may be disappointed, but I am pleased. My servants have proved to be artists with herbs as well as with deception. Your meals aboard the ship were prepared exactly to my specifications. What are you talking about? What's going on here? You will find that you are powerless. I have taken precautions that you will not be damaged. Your rage is for naught. There is no battle, no heroics. Only sleep. The walls around me of the asylum began to spin. I turned back to Imowen in her cell. I wanted to shield her from Arenicus, get her away from this place. But before I could take another step, my body fell and my vision turned to black. I woke up once more, but this time unable to move. My arms were pinned under restraints, and I found myself trapped within a large glass tube. Outside, I could see a wicked laboratory filled with diabolical machinery, clicking and churning, metal screeching against metal. Irenicus looked up from a console of levers and switches to see me awake. He was flanked by his vampiric sister Bodhi and the traitorous Yoshima. Well, it would seem that my visitor has awakened. It is as I predicted. It all has been. I fear I had an advantage over you. I have planned your coming from the start. It could be no other way. Had you learned of Yoshimo, things might have been different. But a spell component slipped into a soup will still get you in the end. 
Not even a chance for a stand-up fight. Treacherous and cowardly. It was Yoshimo's suggestion, really. A fine way to retrieve you unharmed. Of course, your safety is no longer a concern at this point. Yoshimo stepped forward in protest. I did not spend so much time in Callius's company just to have him killed. That could have been done a dozen times over. Is that genuine concern I hear, Yoshimo? Or are you worried you won't get your payment if I'm a corpse? Don't make this harder than it already is. I told you, there are circumstances that you don't know about. Then enlighten me. I know nothing of what would warrant such betrayal. Death, no matter where I would go or what I would do. This is what awaited me if I failed. Can you understand that? My service was promised long ago. I did not know what I would be asked to do. I knew not what filthy creature Iranicus truly was. I did not. Quiet yourself, Yoshimo, and stop babbling about death. You are quite safe now, and my plans for the Bard go beyond simple murder. You will see soon enough. But don't worry, Callius the Humble. You won't have to think about any of this or that. Your life ends today. Where is Imowen? What have you done with her? Don't worry. Imowen has already suffered what she must for my cause. She even survived, and this bodes well for you. You are stronger, more focused. And you are where? You want me because I'm a child of Ball. Let her go, and we'll talk. Imowen is more than bait, and has served just as you will. She is like you in many ways, and in one very special one. What? You, you can't be suggested. You must have suspected. Perhaps she felt no symptoms, but the taint was there. She is of similar age and was apparently secluded as a child, just as you were. Imowen is indeed a child of Baal. I suspect her innocent charm and humor suppressed the darkness. I had to show her some very dark shadows indeed. It was unfortunate, but necessary to get what I needed. Now, I must focus on you. So you cast her aside and try to take me? Oh, you are vile indeed, you. Goatish, ill-breeding malcontent! You should have been more concerned about yourself. There is a very good chance you are about to die. Do you see the Shadow Thieves in the other chambers? They are the fruits of Bodhi's Guild War, and their deaths shall force the Divine Soul from you. Don't be afraid. I suspect this to be mercifully quick. You might even live. Behind Eremicus stood a dozen other glass tubes, each filled with one of the shadow thieves banging and screaming for escape. Each of their tubes connected to mine with long metal wires. Irenicus began his spell incantations, and I could do naught in my bindings. I could only watch as the shadow thieves, one by one, had their very spirits plucked, screaming from their mortal coils. Their souls thrashed as they were sucked into the pipes that all connected back to my container. As Irenicus's vile spell took effect, I felt a sinking sensation, a growing pressure that built and built until all I could do was scream. Next thing I knew, the familiar walls of Candlekeep again stood around me. The idyllic library fortress where I was kept safe during my youth However, the gardens were empty. No guards patrolled. No priests went about their prayers. I turned, searching for any sign of life here, anyone, until I turned 
and behind me stood Imowen. Do not fight. To fight is to lose. Come to me. Find me. Imowen, what? What's happening? Little time. You cannot fight alone. To fight is to lose. Find me within. Find me within. Imowen's image flickered away like a mirage, and I was alone again. Oh, what did she mean? What, what was I fighting? Where could I find her? I had little time to ponder this mystery, as an armored figure stepped out from behind the main keep, brandishing a terrible sword. Malefic, spiked armor covered their body. Hatred burned from their eyes, and even night was not darker than the shroud of black smoke emanating from them. I had not seen with my own eyes such a horrible figure as this before, yet somehow, in my very depths, I knew who this was. It was unmistakable and undeniable, though I dare not speak it. It was my father, not the one who raised me, but the one from whom I was spawned. This was Baal, Lord of Murder. He hefted his mighty blade with ease, pointing its jagged edge towards my heart. Fall to your knees. You can do no other. I am within you. I am your essence. You! What do you want here? What do I want? Your life, your soul, your body. I am the instinct that will fuel the father. I am the blood. I did not see her, but I could still hear Imowen's voice as if she were next to me. I can see you there. Wait, and we can win. How do I get out of here, Imowen? Shh, before the shadows return to me. I have seen what is to come. One alone cannot fight. Together we must battle your instinct. Alone you would fall, whether you win or lose. But here, in my sight, we can defeat it. Lead the creature here, and we shall fight it together. Ball's blade nearly sliced me in twain before I could jump out of the way. I darted through the familiar courtyards of Candlekeep, grasping at my childhood memories of the sanctuary. I rushed through the courtyards and gardens to the main temple. Behind me I heard the heavy clang of Ball's boots as the Lord of Murder gave chase. I whipped magic into my boots to grant myself haste. But my blood father still kept pace. I pushed into the temple doors, searching for Imowen. Unable to find her, I hid behind the bookcases before a loud bang announced Ball's entrance through the doors. He cleaved through the shelves of books in one strike, and I dashed away. Now it is in my sight. I will add my will to yours. He has shown me how to make it vulnerable. I am your instinct, yet you deny me? Fight me within your own mind? I should devour you. How do you stand? I sense your soul. It has taken form to guide from within. You are strange among your kin, but it is weak. It will not help again. You are empty inside. There is nothing within but the instinct. Something is wrong. 
I... No. Not again. Ah! A burst of pale light drowned out Imowin's screams, and I felt myself falling or rising. I could not be sure. With a jolt, I gasped for breath. I coughed and hacked as I found myself back in the glass tube, trapped in Arenicus's laboratory. What his experiment did, I did not know. Oh, I felt as if I had been awake for ten days without resting. Well, you are a strong one indeed. You resist beyond all reason. I pity you are dead on the inside. Whatever creature you conjured, Arenicus, I have defeated it. You shall be next. I don't know what you faced when mired within the spell, but here in the world of the living, my plans have gone just as I wished. I have drained you. Drained you of the very thing that made you special. It is the worst of curses I should know. What do you intend, Arenicus? What are you up to now? No. You warrant no villain's exposition from me. You are barely sentient now. I have taken your very divinity and drained you of your soul. As we have Imowen already, the curse that has been wrought against Bodhi and I now ceased, and yours has begun. You will wither, you will wane, and you will die. Irenicus turned to his monstrous sister. Bodhi, remove this nothing, and Imowen as well. We are restored at their expense and need them no longer. Our revenge to come is now all the sweeter. Bodhi gave a ghastly smile. As you would have it, my brother. I bid you farewell, child of Ball. We shall not meet again. My vision strained as Bodhi approached. My body felt weak beyond measure. I struggled to hold onto consciousness. The last thing I saw was the victorious smile of John Arenicus as my world faded to black. Wow. Oh, wow, what a way to end this part. <laughs> That's we're leaving off as... for next time. What a what a wow. what a second act turn. What just a mm. uh, uh yeah. Yeah, Arrakis. Like I feel again, uh, because we don't know the full context of what's happening. I almost feel like again, not not a good person, but not necessarily bad as he feels victimized in some way and is trying to make up for it. But then the expense of someone else, though, which is not a good thing to do. (laughs) Is it was definitely interesting having a villain who's like very interested in you, but just because like you're the MacGuffin. For, like, his <laughs> protagonist's story. Yeah. And after that, he's right. like, I don't give two shits about you. <laughs> Which, I remember I remember my initial impressions at first were more... his. Con- I remember his conversations, especially in, like, the Siege of Dragonspear. Always, I got the impression that he was, like, looking for Callius to do something. Like, Callius mm. needed to embrace the murderous aspect in his soul... And like become that or something, and then that would enable Arenicus to do something else. But it's like, no, he just, I just need your soul. <laughs> that's a nice, that's a nice god soul you have there. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna borrow it real quick. And how? And I just drained him of like something that I almost feel like, uh, like Callius is not like 
proud of. Like, I wonder if like he's like a yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, which is interesting. I wonder how Kais will will take that. Yeah, and have that taken, but it is it's also his soul too. So. Yeah, I'll see you need it. Yeah, yeah, that's important. One of <laughs> <laughs> and that reveal that Imowen two is has also been a ball spawn this whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild ball spawn. Which I mean, I guess. It shows too, like her reaction kind of shows like, what might happen to to Callius, yeah, no, right? Gets, like in some way, she gets she gets effed up pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, what a way to leave it off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> how how could you do? It this feels very us? daunting. <laughs> Where is Boo? Why isn't Boo saving the day? <laughs> just, yeah, it just comes in just like the like the rabbit in in Monty Python the Holy Grail. Sort of <laughs> that would be very good. That'd be awesome. <laughs> like all of, all of Aranicus's magic just cannot stop this hamster from no, just no, destroying him. Yeah, it'd be so good. Oh no, I think reveal this is... his power to the world yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not time. The ups and downs of the story has yeah. just been fantastic, right? Just when you think that things are finally set in motion in a way that's going to help the group, like again, a setback happens that pushes. I mean, a setback of significance, right? Like something that really is going to like. I'm sure have significant ramifications in the next part of the story, right? Like, I don't know. I'm very curious. I'm very curious, of course, is like what keeps happening to the other party, like the, the party members, right? Like, are they safe? Like, cause we know what happened last time they were stuck in this situation. It wasn't good. We lost people. Right. So like, it makes me nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And what an, yeah. what an interesting, um, I know we talked a little bit about before recording about Yoshimo's role in all this. Um, but you did such a great job of, of even just, like having him have some flavor and some interaction with the party that it felt like a betrayal. It felt meaningful. And I really liked that kind of foreshadowing um, that we saw with that conversation and then giving some really good characterization to that character. Um, which also foreshadowed, like you can't trust, can't trust people sometimes. I, I don't think we should trust this person. Um, and then the, the dramatic irony of, what do you mean? Of course I can trust them. He's, he's a friend. He's helped us. It's just very good um, and very well yeah. done. Yeah, it is actually funny because on my um, Yoshimo suffers from what I call like the the first companion syndrome in RPG games like this. Like you think like Knights of the Old Republic, there's like Karth, Kotor two, there's Atten Rand, uh, you know, um, Mass Effect. You got like Caden and Ashley. It's the very like just kind of like a person who is there. Um, who, you know, usually, you know, absolutely get like fleshed out later in the story. But then it's like, you know, when you get like, here's a literal Wookiee, here's, <laughs> you know, here's fucking Minsk and Boo. It's like those characters start to feel a little more vanilla comparatively. Um, yeah. Yoshimo kind of felt like that in this story a little bit. So I actually didn't have him in my party the first time I went here. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Jan Janssen, the gnome artificer who, if I can, I'm probably going to find some excuse to get him into the story somewhere because he's, he's another very fun party member because he's he just goes on entire, like, long-winded anecdotes about, like, turnip farming or, like, his relatives <laughs> and situations, and he, like, makes his own explosive crossbow bolts. Wow. He is a delight. Um, and I'm a that. little sad. I, 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 I was like, but I'm like, I had to pick who's in the main story. And I liked, I liked that... Um, that betrayal with Yoshimo. But the funny thing was, if you don't take Yoshimo with you, spoilers, um, uh, there's like, there's like an inn in Athcatla where all your party members go. If you're not using them, they'll be like, uh, your, your party members get so mad at you. If you kick them out of the party, they're like, what? 
after everything we've been through together. I was like, I got to do this other person's loyalty mission. Then I'm coming back. Jeez. Um, I know. They're like, fine. I'll be at the inn if you want me. It's like, God, why? It's like every time. Then you go and they're like, you're back. It's like, are you finally willing to admit I'm useful to the group now? It's like, oh my God, why are you also like pretty about this? Um, but if you if you do this quest and later in the game when you're able to return to Afkatla and your and the rest of the the party to switch out people, if you go there, Yoshimo's just dead. What? He just he's straight up on the ground dead. And I was like, the fuck? Because <laughs> I was like, did I mess something up? Because I reloaded the game and I'm like, Yoshimo wasn't dead when I left him here. Some this was a glitch or something. And I come back, he come in, he's just dead on the floor. And I was like, what? And I looked it up and I was like. Oh, and then I found out about his whole situation where he's he's under a magical compulsion. Oh, so no. is that either either he betrays you in this situation and things happen to him there, or or he just dies. Oh, no, or he doesn't go and, he and dies. you don't even he, know why. Is he, did he did I miss this that he died just now? Like not okay, here just now. Right. No, no, this no. would be this would be in the alternate universe that Callius okay. didn't bring Yoshimo along just to Spellhold, and then when he finished here and comes back, no, that was that was just my experience in the game. So I kind of, I it was a it was a little fortunate because I had a thing where all my fucking save files for the game got wiped out, so I had to start it over. I just gave everyone boots of haste, so they just, <laughs> and just skipped all the dialogue, and the game actually goes by pretty fast if you do that. Um, uh, and then I was like, Yoshima, you're coming along for this. And I was like, oh, cool. And I, was, I liked how that scene played out a little more with the, that that that, that yeah. dramatic twist. So. Oh, yeah, poor Yoshima. That's, that's sad. Hey, it, it seems like he likes everybody in the group. It seems like he yeah. being a part of it. It's, oh. yeah. Sorry, he kind of has a, he has a choice. He either, he either does the thing Ironicus tells him to do, or yeah. he just straight up dies. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's got magic Which that again, can do that. Which like fits with like the villains. I mean, the main the main villains of the story, right? They're not like necessarily like I'm out to be a bad guy. They're out to, like I'm here to do my thing. It just how it happens that like I have to kill somebody right. to get the right. thing that I want. Yeah, right. No, fantastic. Ah, oh, I'm so. I need to know what happens. Ugh. That conversation <laughs> with with Minsk and the pirate lord, by the way, is like absolutely totally <laughs> word for word i just had to include that because that was probably my favorite exchange in the whole game it's just yeah. i just have this dude talk to Minsk for five minutes and he's throwing us in the insane asylum <laughs> i love Minsk. he's awesome he's so cool very good. no i mean yeah. so ryan want to give your overall thoughts on the story so far uh yeah sure i mean it it is always a delight to get to experience this through mm-hmm. jesse's storytelling and it elevates it and makes the experience um, so much better, I think. Um, and getting to see like the narrative story beats that are brought up and the the in a way that is again impossible for me to separate from you know how I will forever think of this game. And like I will never be able to separate like Jesse's wonderful, incredible way he has aligned this writing with how, whatever the writing is of the game. And I'm sure they did a wonderful job, but like the the you know foreshadowing and the pieces that were added elevate it so much um i think it's a really great like second act like everything goes bad and we're stopping there that's a really interesting and dramatic way to end it and overall the story had this really great arc of you know oh no we're trapped things are bad let's just go on a bunch of missions and have a wonderful play 
um, okay, now we actually have to deal with what's going on. And then you get there and then you're trapped again. There's this like nice poetry to it um, that I that I really enjoyed, and all the characters that we have we have got to experience that have been you know filtered in um, have been really wonderful and felt really poorly formed. And Erenicus is such like a spooky bad guy that like as of yet yeah. nothing has phased him. Nothing has even came close to injuring or touching him. Nothing has not gone exactly as he has planned, which is just a really great thing for a villain um, to to to. Um, Mm-hmm. Make him really scary and spooky. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely his strongest like uh, his strongest point in the narrative is just he he he's so very relentless and and very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like you can't fuck with this dude. So cool. Like he's just he, he's got his mind on something and he will he will literally kill anyone to like yeah. get what he wants. Yeah will not think twice I'm going to jump into my thoughts really fast before we throw it to Jesse because I think Jesse's exposition about this will be more more interesting but I just want to say like I think that this the story is such a roller coaster ride in the best way and I like we're talking about with Aranicus being so powerful and just just doing all these awful things I, I really am looking forward to understanding the the motivations behind that like what is fueling that because like I love the saying and we talked about this before on the show before like uh, you know every Every villain feels as if they're the hero of their own story, right? So, like, for Ranicus, does he feel like a, a hero right now? I feel like he's doing some good in the world or avenging something that has wronged him, uh, even though from our perspective, right, through the story, through Callius' eyes and, and, and storytelling, you know, obviously, Ranicus is this horrible, evil villain. So, I don't know. I'm just very excited to see what happens, what happens to the party members. Um, but overall, it's just a, such a fantastic beautiful narrative that's been created jesse is you've done amazing but i would love to i mean we'd love to hear what your thoughts are so far on this on this half of the story as well of course um yeah i remember going through this and um it's that's you know a pretty pretty high stakes wild ride when you know this dude has taken your soul and when it's you know when you're you know it's like when you're spy when you're spawned by a god you know it's like what is that what does that mean when you've lost that it's like what else what else mm-hmm. is left mm-hmm. um so this this was a it's um and i was telling ryan like um in some of our D games where we have where it's like you're you're just at that nice low point where then it's like you've just got all this like build yeah. up for what will hopefully be like this wonderful catharsis of coming back and kicking some ass. <laughs> it has to, right? It just has to. Callius can't lose. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, that's that's actually yeah, that was, there's actually no part two. It was a whole thing. That's just that's just Can you imagine that? That'd be so sad. <laughs> oh, New character, oh. Baldur's Gate three. Um but yeah. <laughs> But I will say for anyone else who's interested in playing these games, like um, for all the for all the stuff that happens in the story that made me need to split it up into two whole parts, there's still a lot of content, and and there's there's at least like twice as many, if not more, other party members that you could like talk with and have on your adventures and find out who they are, and lots of other side stories and places, and a lot of choices that can really shape things differently than they are for Callius and kind of this this telling of the story. So the the Baldur's Gate games still hold a lot of 
potential you know variety in your experience and you can really make it like your own story depending on um you know who your character is and what and what they choose mm-hmm. to do do you think with the the success of Baldur's Gate 3 which I'm going to assume is going to be the case just by how quite much people love it they've already I'm made, sure yeah. already do you think they would ever go back and remaster do you think they'd ever go back and remaster the other two games or, re- or re- remake the other two games as because it's such, such a big thing now to remake old very popular games like could you ma- like could would you enjoy that? Like, would either of you enjoy the idea of that? That would be really interesting to see. Because, I mean, I sort of... They sort of have already done that in a sense with, like, if you try to get Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 on Steam, it will be the enhanced okay. editions of them, where there are there are some there are some party members who are who are added in, who are new, who you, you can kind of recognize them when you meet them. Um, but also, um, I think I think the... That's sort of what the Siege of Dragonspear was coming out in, like, 2016, mm-hmm. was sort of the resurgence of, like, what if we went back to, like, these worlds and these games? And that's what was really fun when they got, like, you know, Jennifer Hale coming back to voice Dynagear, and they got Jim Cummings back to voice Minsk, and I think they got... I think... I don't know if they had Jahira's voice actor. I think they just... You could hear her voice lines, but it's because they used the old oh. files. I think the rest of it, but it's but they have like the character. Yeah, that's what they do for because the characters don't speak every single written out line in the story. They speak mm-hmm. out some. Um, they'll usually say like the first sentence of something they're saying, and then like the next couple will be in depending on if it's like a choice or something. Um, and they got they got the do I don't remember his name. The voice actor for John Arenicus is the same guy who does Radcliffe in um, Pocahontas. Oh. Um, mm. He, yeah. he has a very nice performance on it. Yeah, he comes. He comes back. A, he's the hooded man, um, and then the voice actor for everyone came back too. So that that I feel like at the time that was kind of the point where it's like here's a love letter back yeah. to these games. Yeah. But um, yeah. but I've seen interesting things like people have tried to they've made mods to like Dragon Age where they've like made some of the cutscenes or like started making some of the levels. But that was like a number of years ago, and I don't know if those I don't know if those uh, you know grew into anything. Uh, super substantial, but like pe- people have been trying to do stuff like that. But I think ultimately, like Baldur's Gate three is like the big experience of like, okay, now this is. Um, and yeah. I haven't, I haven't touched it yet, and they only just added bards like a month or so ago because I was waiting for that. I was like, come on, <laughs> give me the goddamn bards. And so I'm like, because um, while I really liked getting to add my own voice lines to literally hear Callius's voice in the game, I was really excited for Baldur's Gate with friggin' like high fidelity graphics and I can dress right. them up how yeah. I want because uh, in the first two games it's like y- you kind of have little pixel people running around it's like which it's like that one has it says Callius over the name but it's just like it looks like little like mind like Minecraft <laughs> people have a little more visual fidelity but that's because you know the games are like right. over 20 years old you know that's not that's not a dig against them it's just it's just where things were at the time and it's like it's I still really like that isometric like like art style of things um the game still looks and, and and plays pretty good as long as you like that time of like gameplay and what dungeons and dragons yeah have to offer. yeah and um i mean with again these folks made divinity original sin 2 and there was a mode it wasn't really used much there was a mode in divinity original sin 2 where you could like make your own battle maps and stuff so it wouldn't surprise me if in like four years when they finish Baldur's Gate 3, if they add like a DM, you know, part of that, like a map editor and a story editor that you can then use this tool set to tell your own story. 
and you know maybe in order to show this off they like create a portion of that story or or something i i wouldn't be surprised if something like that so comes cool. on down the line that'd be so cool well, storygoers, if you have any thoughts, feelings, and perspectives on the first part of Baldur's Gate 2, please send them to us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on our social media, basically just Instagram, because Twitter is just hard to use sometimes, so I don't want you using it. And comment our posts, DM us, what, <laughs> tell us what you think, and we will happily read those on the show, uh, as well as you can call or text our number at 207 207- Four nine four four three three four. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text about your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives, and we'll read them on the show. Jesse, it was so great having you back. We cannot wait to have you back again to finish up part two. Yeah. As always, please, anytime you ever come on, please let us know. You're always welcome. Always welcome. Is there any? Is there anything you want to say? Like, any way you want people to find you or anything like that uh, of your interest? Oh, nothing, nothing that much. Just, co- just come back here when I'm back here. Yeah. <laughs> just, just send, just send these two. You know, if you like this stuff, it's like more Baldur's Gate stuff. You know, the flattery just fuels my spirit. <laughs> and encased in this mortal coil, if I don't get enough attention, I just mm-hmm. cease to be. Feel that. You know, <laughs> as my, as my girlfriend knows. No, thank you. You've done fantastic. Thank you so much for everything for coming oh, on. Your Amazing voices and fantastic narrative storytelling, bar none, bar none. Make us look awful, so in a great in a great way. Yeah, it's, the best. <laughs> it's the best. But thank you for having me. Yeah. Can't wait to have you back. So, yeah. storygoers, if you enjoyed this, please us your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives, like we said. Uh, and if you don't mind rating us five stars, whatever platform you listen to us to listen to us on, that'd be great. Um, and if it's not five stars, then just don't even worry about it. Just skip ahead. Don't don't rate us on anything. So that's great. Um, And without (laughs) any further ado, we will move on. Have a great rest of the day. Hope you're doing well, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye!